Hi guys, I'm Marie. I'm not ready yet. <laughs> okay. So Maddie decided to eat some yogurt and granola right before we started recording. And so she's like sitting here chomping away on it. And I'm like, dude, we got to start. Like, stop. Put it down. And apparently she's still not ready. So I'm sorry. Hi, guys. I'm Marie. And I'm Maddie. And we are here not doing a normal episode. And we are also not doing Bunker Talk. We are here because of the National Geographic article that after 62 years, National Geographic just decided to solve it. They decided to solve it the same week that we post our episode. I know. It's super <laughs> weird. It came out right after we finished recording our third part of Diatlov Pass. So now we're here to tell you what National Geographic has to say about it. Yeah. And we, I mean, we've already given like our theories and our opinions in the case, but this might shed some new light for some of you out there that didn't like our theory, which this is kind of, it actually kind of goes along with one of our main theories. Yeah. We can't let go of the Yeti. Might have been the Yeti. Okay. We're going to leave the Yeti and the aliens in there, but we're going to throw a new theory at you guys. So thank you to all of our listeners who messaged us and sent us this article. And they're like, what? Everybody's like, what the heck? This article just came out at the same time as your guys's three-part Dialov Pass incident yeah. tragedy series. So yeah, thank you for sharing it with us. We really appreciate it. I honestly, I probably wouldn't have seen it if our listeners hadn't shared it with me because I had already moved on. I was already a full week into researching our next case yeah. and would not have even thought to pull it up, honestly, again. No. Why would you? You already did all the research. Well, I spent a very long time on Dyatlov Pass websites and articles and books and all sorts of things. So it was very far from my mind when I got the first message about it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, is that new? I haven't seen that. Wait a second. And then I got like three more sent to me and I was like, this is a new article. And then I got like three more sent to me and I yeah, was no, like, she, oh. like, messages mean is like, are you like, are you kidding? Yeah, I messaged Maddie and I'm like, what in the actual heck? And she's like, what? It's an article from National Geographic. And I'm like, that just came out. <laughs> and I was like, oh, OK. OK. So we've never done this before. I don't know how it'll work for you guys, but we're literally just going to post like this short little it's this, not an episode, just this short little conversation. A little update for you a guys. A little update. We have a little update for you guys. Okay, so if you're curious, if you haven't read this article yet, we're going to pretty much summarize the entire article and like talk about the different theories in it. Okay, let's get this going. So you don't have to go read the article, or you can. National Geographic. Up to you. It's not going to be hard to find. No, it's not. It's like the first thing that comes up right now if you look up Diatlov Pass. So I'm kind of glad that it didn't come out when I was doing my initial research because I feel like that's all that I would have gotten every time I typed it in if it had. Basically, this theory was spurred by a scientist who watched the movie Frozen. Yeah, and he really couldn't believe how realistic the snow movement was in this movie. So he decided, sorry if you can hear Delilah meowing in the background. She's in the garage trying to get in. And we're not letting her in because Maddie gets distracted by her. But <sighs> I would let her in. <laughs> I would let you in, Delilah. It's my fault. I'll take it. Okay. So Jahan, Jahan. Say it with confidence, mom. Ready? Go. Jahan Gyum 
Beautiful. <laughs> he explains that in 2013, when he saw the Disney movie Frozen, he was just amazed at the depiction of the snow movement. And so he decided to ask animators how they pulled that off. Disney is a majority owner of National Geographic. Right. So him working for National Geographic and, and seeing this. Yeah. Going to the Disney animators who made Frozen wasn't like a. I'm pretty sure if I called up Disney or showed up in Hollywood, they'd be like, um, please leave and maybe even call the police on me. So that's why he's able to get in. So their theory is an avalanche. And this is not going to surprise anyone because it's the same theory that the original searchers had in 1959. And it's also the same theory that the Russian government had in 2019. However, the biggest problem that everybody has had with this is that it didn't explain a lot of things, right? It left a lot of loose ends. So we're going to try to tie those up for you, assuming that this could be a legitimate theory, right? Yes. This is also this is just a theory. This is not necessarily our theory. I like it. It's one of the originals that I liked from the beginning. I said that, I think, in episode mm -hmm. three. So we like this theory. However, we're not saying this is fact. We're just telling you what... National Geographic is saying, okay? Some issues that experts have had with the avalanche theory. The tent was intact. Right, so the tent is still basically standing. Yeah, there was no snowfall on the night of February 1st, which is when this all went down. Right, in case you don't know that. In case you forgot <laughs> something. Oh, by the way, if you haven't listened to our three-parter on Dyatlov Pass, you might want to go listen to it because mm -hmm. right now, we are about to ruin some stuff for you. Hopefully at this point, you've already realized that you don't know what the hell is happening and you've already, already gone, gone back. back. But if you haven't, Dyatlov Pass is the nine, well, originally 10, group that go hiking into Dyatlov Pass, which is renamed Dyatlov based on the leader of the group, where they pitch their tent and they all die mysterious or horrible deaths. So go back and have a listen if you haven't already. If not, continue. Or if so, continue. Some members died of crushing injuries or hypothermia. Asphyxiation is a normal cause of death in avalanches. So doesn't quite fit. Yeah. Right? The team members did cut into the slope. So National Geographic is indicating that them cutting into the slope is what caused the avalanche, but that it was a delayed avalanche. So it didn't happen immediately when they cut into the slope, but the winds coming, because it was strong winds that night, winds coming, blew snow from the top of the mountain, putting more pressure on the slope, causing the avalanche. So the slope was 30 degrees steep. This is the minimum for an avalanche. Which has also led people to say that it's un unlikely that an avalanche happened. And actually, initially, they thought this slope was not that steep because it's very it's a very deceiving slope. It doesn't seem that steep. And so they didn't find out until later how steep the slope actually was. They theorize that this delay was about nine hours. Right. Because remember, the backpackers had eaten about eight hours before their death. So if you think about how long it took them to die once they left the camp, that would account for that extra hour. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, it's rough. It's a rough estimate. So. Okay, so simulations show that the avalanche would not have been large, but may have involved a block of ice. Or very packed snow, yeah. 
-hmm. He used the same simulation to see how an avalanche would affect the human body. That was used in Frozen. In order to do this simulation, they needed realistic values for the forces and pressure the human body could experience. And for this information, they went to the automotive industry, which I think is very creative. Yeah, because, I mean, they do do a lot of car accident simulations where they... That's exactly what they they did, yeah. So apparently, GM had taken 100 cadavers... Uh, Don't sign me up for that job and broke their ribs in order to simulate the force of a car accident. Some of them were braced with rigid support, while others weren't. And the injuries were more severe with the rigid support. So this led to them speculating that maybe some of the hikers were more injured due to their skis that they had lined the floor underneath them with, creating a rigid support for them. So when the snow hit them, it would crush them more because there's nowhere for their bodies to go. Where the ones who maybe weren't on the skis didn't receive as severe of injuries. For what? For the crushed skull, the crushed ribs, all of those injuries. Like when they were in the tent? Yeah. So they're saying that that could have happened in the tent. But the tent is still standing completely. Right. So this chunk of snow slash ice falls onto the tent creates these injuries, is smothering the hikers. They cut their way out of the tent and make a run for it. Because remember, everybody who had injuries wouldn't have died right away from their injuries. They all would have lived for a certain amount of time. But the tent was still standing. Right. Because it wasn't that big of a chunk of snow that fell on the tent. So when they cut it open and dug their way out, the, the tent's now mostly clear and no further snow fell on it. Like, why, if the tent was cleared by the time they got their way out, why would they? Well, the theory is that they ran in fear that more snow was coming down the mountain. Because all they know is there's an avalanche going on. They don't know that it was just one chunk of snow that fell on them. They think the entire slope could be coming down at this point. That makes sense. Yeah, you know. The model demonstrated that it would have only had to have been about a 16-foot block of hefty snow that could have caused the fractures to the ribs and the skulls. It's pretty crazy if you think about it. They also explain the radioactivity from the thorium present in camping lanterns back in the day. They say the undress could have been caused by the paradoxal undressing, which we addressed that in our episode, and I don't find that a likely explanation. I would say that the group scavenging clothes off of each other is more likely than paradoxal undressing Yeah, for the two Yuris that are originally found by the tree. Well, I would believe the, the paradoxal undressing, except for the fact that other people are wearing their clothing. Exactly. So what, They're... they took their clothes off and then somebody came along and picked them up off the ground? I don't think so. No, I think that they died and people undressed them. And it appears that some of the clothing was cut or ripped away, which I don't see that happening in... Paradox laundry. Yeah, exactly. But also with the radioactivity, we talked about that as well, where it could have literally been from any of their works back in the 50s. Or anything that they picked up along their way on this mountain from previous radioactive exposure from testing or anything else. That doesn't surprise me, the 50s, someone being exposed. Yeah. And then they attribute the missing tongue and eyes strictly to possibly scavengers. So basically, the whole premise of this article is that 
it's all just natural. Nothing crazy, weird, unusual happened. Just an avalanche. I mean, it makes sense. So I think a lot of people are going to have issue with this theory just because it's maybe a little too normal. Yeah. There's nothing crazy about it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I like the idea of everything all tied up and pretty, but honestly, this doesn't really, to me, lead any more support towards an avalanche than I already had in my mind. Like, we already theorized that an avalanche or infrasound were the two most likely theories that we liked in this case, right? So to me, this is just adding a little more evidence maybe to the possibility of an avalanche. But I don't know. I still feel like something crazy could have happened. I feel like it was a Yeti. Maddie's going to... I think the more evidence we throw at Maddie, the more outrageous her theories are going to get in this case. It's a possibility. (laughs) But yeah, after hearing this or after reading the article yourselves or after our episodes, we'd love to hear what you guys think and where everybody else stands on this issue. Yeah. I think I hold my same opinion, my realistic one that I gave in the episode and the Bunker Talk. Well, because I still feel like with an avalanche, would they have abandoned their boots? I mean, I just don't know. I don't know if there was still snow falling, if there was still snow coming on the mountain at the time, and maybe they just thought running was their best option. But why are some people dressed then? Not only that, but some people who are well-dressed have crushing injuries. So explain that one to me. The two people that have boots on, one of them has crushing injuries, right? And the other one doesn't? My question is is that these are very skilled hikers. They had a lot of, like, how did they get so lost from their tent? Like, when they realized the snow wasn't falling anymore, was it way too late? Well, I think once they realized that maybe the tent wasn't going to collapse, three of them headed back. They tried to get back to the tent and were unable to get there because of the conditions, because of how unprepared for the cold that they were. So I'm thinking maybe they realized their mistake, right? They wanted to head back. Maybe by this point, two of them have already died. Then what's with the three in the ravine? The four in the ravine? Did you see my map? No. Oh, wait, this is the ravine? Uh Uh-huh. Oh, I was picturing the cedar to be here and the ravine to be over here. So I just pulled up the map that I posted on Instagram for you guys that has where everybody was found. If you haven't looked at that, go look at it because it shows where the tent is, it shows where the cedar tree is, and then it shows where all of the bodies were found. And I had, this is kind of a rough estimate based on the locations that I could find you guys. But if we're at the tent here, they end up down to the cedar tree, right? Maybe everybody's at the cedar tree at some point. And then maybe everybody besides the two Yuris, so Doroshenko and Georgi, those two don't make it past the cedar tree, but everybody else heads back towards the tent. So these four get slightly off track and end up in the ravine where these three take a more direct route all the way to the tent and make it, I mean, more than halfway, really, back to the tent. So yeah, go look at that map if you haven't seen it yet, because that having the visual on it for how they might have ended up where they ended up is kind of helpful. So that's my thought. 
Avalanche happens at the tent. They all run for their lives, end up at the cedar tree, or at least the four in the ravine and the two Yuris end up at the cedar tree. Maybe these three never are at the cedar tree, right? Yeah, who knows? Maybe these three never made it that far down, and that's why they made it so far back. But I think because we've got Xena, uh, Rustam, or Rustic, and Igor, those three made it the furthest back. And those three, out of those three, none of them have crushing injuries. It goes to say that they would probably make it the furthest back towards the tent. Yeah. And remember, all three of these died of hypothermia. So the three that did make it the furthest back, they just... They were just too cold. They just didn't have the strength to make it. Because they're also going uphill, you guys. That's that. It's crazy. So go look at our Instagram or our Facebook. It's on both. And the first map is just going to be Russia. And then as you scroll through the maps, it gets you closer and closer. And the final map is the one that has the location of where everybody was found on it. I like it. Okay. So let us know what you guys think. Thanks for tuning in for this really short, weird little update. Update. Yeah. (laughs) Have a great time. Yeah. And we'll see you guys in a few days when our normal episode comes out. So, yeah. Yay. Um, And then we are also going to be posting some more on our Patreon this week as well. So come and check us out there. And we will see you guys later. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.